I clutched my pearls the whole time I read this book. I'm like hooked. I was on the edge of my seat. I leaned forward. Five stars, baby. Welcome to Books in the City Pod. Ooh. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Books in the City Pod. I'm Libby. I'm Becky. I'm Emily. I'm Kayla. And we are four book slash life friends. <laughs> we talk about books on a podcast every week and we're here. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> oh my God. It's been and a that's while. the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since we've been in person. So that's what you're hearing right now, I think. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> we're so awkward we've been together for like four hours and we're just now recording (laughs) (laughs) off to a great fast start what is classic like old Mm -hmm. books in the city recording yeah um Mm. hey emily it's your book club month it is and i have a pick for you um so i recently read a book called love in the big city <laughs> they made fun of me for the way i said it because i always say love in the big city um but that's very <laughs> it's cute much, it wasn't making fun of that's very much the the tone of the book um it's by sangyam park and translated from korean by anton her it came out uh recently so if you need to place those library holds get them in now and yeah it's a fun korean read and i think we should talk about it on (laughs) she's picking live you guys yeah okay so we'll talk about love in the big city on sunday april 3rd at 8 p.m eastern time yay exciting Ooh, mark your calendars this has a good cover and the inside is bright pink Ooh. Mm -hmm. mm-hmm Ugh. Now I have to read it. <laughs> right, I take pictures in my pink room. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Exactly. There's one more thing I have an announcement about, or we just all have an announcement about regarding merch. And don't fast forward because it's not just me saying go to the website mm-hmm. and buy merch. Let us know if you guys have like a wish list of merch that you'd love to have of Books in the City. So. I don't know what that might be. Water bottles. I Beach don't know. towel. Yeah. Anything you can think of that you'd maybe want to see from us, we will consider and maybe do a new merch drop. A soon. coaster with all our faces. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, fun. Well, now, let's not overpromise. <laughs> <laughs> but you can DM them to us at Books in the City Pod or if you want to email Books in the City Pod at gmail.com. Yeah and i'll respond and be like oh my god so cute because <laughs> it'll probably be a million things i never would have thought of yeah let us know and also go to books in the city and buy the mm-hmm. merch that's there <laughs> <laughs> stay tuned because there might be a big big summer blowout coming soon Yoo-hoo, big summer blowout catch the frozen reference <laughs> i got it <laughs> yeah. i didn't okay so how are the fish doing Great, excellent, and here's what they want to know. Oh, wow, get right in. (laughs) Dive right in. What is the best childhood TV show that you watched (laughs) as a child? In my house, we were big SpongeBob children. Uh, Okay, that tracks. And then, you hate it? 
I could see that. It's a lot you of hate fart it? jokes. It's a lot of fart jokes. Yeah. And also my sister was so young and she went through that like young child. I'm so obsessed with SpongeBob stage and we shared a room and it was just like if I had to hear Spongebob laugh one more time, I was going to like throw myself out the window. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. I was never big on Spongebob. I, we loved Spongebob. We've kind of talked about this with the networks too. Mm-hmm. I grew up with brothers and so I was uh, the one like watching a lot of what they wanted to yeah. watch. Whatever. Like mm-hmm. um, Ed, Ed and Eddie. Oh yeah. And Johnny Bravo and things like that. I loved Johnny Bravo. Yeah. But then I do also feel like Lizzie McGuire raised yeah. me. So those are my love that. My two childhood picks. We were huge Disney Disney family in general, like still are. I texted my siblings last week and I was like, guys, are we Disney adults? And we're not. Consensus, <laughs> we're not. Uh-oh. But even if you were, let yeah, Disney I mean, I love Disney adults. adults. I love going to Disney World as an adult. Um, but we were huge, huge Disney Channel, and Lizzie McGuire was like the first. But watching that So Raven, like, mm. actually influenced who I am because I realized watching that show that you can work in fashion because oh. she wanted to be a fashion designer. Right. And I feel like I make references to like. Last night I made a reference to that So Raven at Book Club. Like it's just like a part of my life. I love that. That's, That's a good Raven. Show. That's a good one. She uh, that stands up too. Like re- not recently, but during the pandemic, at some point when Disney Plus like launched, yeah, everyone or something, was rewatching all the old ones. We rewatched first episode of a few of those shows, and Raven was the only one that like stood up, it, like stood the test of time, and was like actually funny okay well i was walking to work the other day and for some reason i was like maybe because in the mornings when i get ready to go into the office i get through like an a full episode of a show and i was like maybe i should start watching sweet life of zach and cody while i get ready for work <laughs> wow. i don't know why okay. like oh because i was putting on a, a fitted sheet on my bed and i was like i'm london tipped in in that episode when she goes to live with maddie because her dad like <laughs> lost all his money or something oh <laughs> <laughs> so and also the maid head. from Downton Abbey. Yeah, I was like, I all of this like <laughs> scenes happening when you're making. So last night at book club, I told them that when I make my bed, I always feel like Anna from Downton Abbey. Oh wow! <laughs> but I don't put a fitted sheet on every day. Um, mm-hmm. But I was like, maybe I should. Maybe I need like Sweet Life Zach and Cody back in my life. That's wow. so funny. Yeah. We should we should do a chaos episode about like morning routines because that was very enlightening mm. just then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is implying you have one, which some people might not. Well, that's your routine, or maybe it's an afternoon routine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, in my family, we were PBS people mm. um, for a long time. Eventually, we got cable, and then I was obsessed with Lucy McGuire to the point where it was like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> um, <laughs> But I, I specifically, Arthur, we watched Arthur. Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel like we were definitely Arthur kids. But there's this show, and I don't even know if it was on PBS, but this show that me and my sister were obsessed with when we were little, and it was called Kids Songs. Mm-mm. Not a, I've met one person in my entire life who knows what I'm talking about. Oh, wow. And it was like this show where these kids like randomly decide that they want to have like a TV studio. Like, I, I'll never forget the intro and the song. They all, like, run down to the, like, studio. And they're like, we want a show. Like, literally to the executives that work there. And they're like, okay. And then they, like... <laughs> Is it live action? It was yeah. us. It's live action, but there's also <laughs> these, like, little magical creatures that look like Furbies that aren't scary. Oh. They were in it. And so, like, the kids were, like... um News anchors, almost. And, like, the segments would be, it was like, like an songs. SNL? 
N- no, because it wasn't f- necessarily funny. It was like kind of educational, and like there would be songs and music videos, and like the music video would be to like the wheels on the bus go around, wow. and like oh, wow. you like learned. There was like the different learning segments and stuff, but like. I remember my sister and I would watch it. We had this little like kid size table and we like sit there like we were little Aww, anchors. That's so cute. <laughs> but like if there's any listener out there that knows what kids songs is, let me know. I think it was really big in the 80s. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some people on it that like went on to be on other shows. Hmm. Wait, so you were watching reruns? Probably. but Well, I mean, you weren't alive in the I 80s. I wasn't alive in the 80s, but I do think it spanned. <laughs> she tra- quickly traveled you, back in time. You were there? <laughs> I'm going to look it up because mm. I think it continued into the 90s. Mm. Kid songs with a Z. <laughs> of course. Oh, no, there's no Z. That's the Mandala effect. <gasps> Weird. Okay. It ended in 98. It started mm. in 85 and it ended in 98. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a long time. Well, anyway... That's the show that Kid was songs. really big in my house. And obviously all of the PBS shows, Wishbone and like mm-hmm. all of those were like classics. And then eventually we became the spoiled cable TV kids that my parents were trying to avoid. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Our family had a similar trajectory where like as a child, it was all PBS and I was a real sucker for all the educational ones but there is a specific tv show that i was obsessed with it was called the big comfy couch yes, yes. i want to say Luna and and molly yeah her dolly yes i had <laughs> the molly doll i really tried to do those like she's a clown and lives in a big comfy couch and i tried to do she does this like floor stretching exercise yeah. where she goes around and i As never succeeded oh, but right. yeah one of my friends had like a mini replica of the couch Whoa. oh my god i was like we had a very competitive friendship too mm. and i was like peak jealousy <laughs> like i need the I big need comfy the couch. couch i also remember okay there was a spin-off of arthur called buster's world i remember and that. he was like the cartoon but then they did these little interviews with children i don't know doing things out and about but i remember like a circus episode and it was a cool behind the scenes on what goes on in a circus how you train (laughs) there was like for a hot minute of my youth i genuinely had career aspirations of clowning (laughs) i was like i can just imagine your parents like some some older relatives so oh what do you want to be when you grow up emily and you're like a clown listen i always had very distinct weird tastes this girl was like five years old and i was like i would like to play the violin please what oh that's normal that's cool yeah okay usually that feels like an, a thing Emily will say things sometimes thinking it was like this quirky part of her childhood and we're like no we all had that exact experience <laughs> yeah just uh, I guess five is like a little young for violet like I don't you're know. just a, a genius okay yeah <laughs> I was yeah. uh worldly but I think people with classical music it's usually like their parents forced it on them yeah, I was yeah. like mm-hmm. I want this for me <laughs> make it force me into it um and obviously you know like baby budding scientists i was really into those like animal shows on pbs or like animal planet that oh, kind of stuff didn't oh, they do science on zoom yeah yeah i liked that one yeah zoom oh zoom zoom yeah. uh the magic school bus the yeah, like boom you know like all the boom of sciencey um that was a kid good shows one. before we got cable and then i watched like all the things that all the everyone was watching i don't remember a time that i didn't have cable 
Yeah, yeah, we nice. had it too. yeah, I remember not having internet. We were like late on internet, and I would go to my friends' houses, and they would be. It was all about like playing games, and I'd be like begging for the internet, which I feel like just tracks with like up. who I've become. That's so funny. Uh, we should do like a part two where you we talk about our ch- childhood favorite computer games because yeah. these are triggering. Uh, yes. Should we talk about books? Yeah. 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 Libby, are you first? I would like to be. Uh, Okay, I'm talking about a book that might be familiar to some people because it was the book club pick last month. And it was so fun having book club with you all. Just kidding. We're recording from the past and we haven't had book club yet. But I'm talking about The Idiot by Alif Batuman. Uh, It came out in 2017. This is like maybe one of the funniest books I've ever read. I, whoa, I don't, I wasn't expecting that. And I don't like laugh out loud at books, like even books by comedians that are meant to be funny. But there were just multiple times in this book that I was like by myself audibly like laughing out loud, which just doesn't happen. I couldn't, (laughs) I can't express that enough. I'll get more into like the humor later but it definitely had everything to do with the narrator of this book so the title of the book the idiot pays homage to the russian classic of the same name and i feel like that kind of sets the tone um for the whole book just an aside about that Mm. um nicole when i was texting her about like drawing the graphic for the fan club postcard she thought it was the dust she was like oh wow a chonky uh russian lid oh that's God. really bold for the book club and i was like no no no, not that one <laughs> well i've read the idiot by dostoevsky and it's not like this book isn't like a retelling or anything and throughout the book she like references other russian classics including i think crime and punishment by the same author but she never mm-hmm. directly like mm-hmm. mentions the idiot which was interesting i don't know if there's like something to like analyze in there but anyway so it follows this main character her name's Celine we meet her at the very beginning of her freshman year at Harvard where she has decided to study linguistics Um, she's from New York City and she's the daughter of Turkish immigrants and basically the first half of the book follows Celine's freshman year at Harvard as she like makes uh, new friends and like spends her time going to classes and figuring out kind of what she wants out of life like it really takes you back to that mindset of being like a freshman in a new place with this weird like semi-adulthood freedom but also like you're still a child type of thing so yeah so she's pretty confident that she wants to be a writer but she's extremely self-conscious just about the idea in practice and kind of about like everything in her life she's just a very like awkward human in her first semester she submits work to writing contests but there's like a whole part where she's like humiliated when she wins one of the contests and she's like I don't want anyone to think that what I was writing was like that I thought it was good and like that kind of mentality um I feel like it just captured like the self-consciousness really well also Celine herself is like six feet tall she has huge feet which is like a part of the book she's always like trying to find shoes that fit and she's so bookish and smart and just like gangly and awkward and I loved her so much like I really feel like she's one of my like all-time favorite 
oh, wow. narrators and like characters I've maybe ever read. And that's also like, I think why I loved this book so much because it's like all from her perspective kind of and like in her head. That's sort of overview of the book. But she takes this Russian language class and she meets one of her friends named Svetlana and then this tall Hungarian boy named Ivan. And later in the semester, her and Ivan connect via email which is like brand new at this time and so there's a lot of commentary on like the weird connectedness of that email allows which was it was funny to think of it as like this new thing to just be able to email someone um but their emails kind of turn into this weird like whirlwind like very awkward stuttering kind of like romance but I have I wrote down Puritan romance because it's like not it's just like they're exchanging these like long-winded emails and kind of like confessing their feelings for each other but also like nobody's really saying what they mean or it's just a very like freshman year of college romance (laughs) and Ivan's main character traits are basically that he's a bit older and he's a math student and he's tall and that's like kind of (laughs) his character uh but he also you find out later has a girlfriend and as celine and ivan spend more time writing to each other celine like kind of starts falling into what she thinks might be love and obviously with the um, introduction of a girlfriend complications arise so her second semester is marked by trying to trying and failing to avoid ivan around campus and kind of getting sucked into this summer commitment to teach English in Hungary where he's going to be over the summer and they made these plans kind of before things happened with them yeah I'm not going to get too much more into it like like what actually happens between her and Ivan or if she like actually goes through with the summer commitment or whatever but um that's basically the book and I don't know if I just made it sound like boring or terrible but I think like a big part of it is she's a linguistics major and there's such a focus on language in the book and like her understanding of language as like a tool to communicate and like all of the shortcomings of language especially like via email too where like things are being said but it's just like an inadequate way to like express what she's feeling or like to actually like genuinely get a point across so like her struggling with just like how to communicate with language alongside like her learning basic Russian and like trying to connect with this boy who also isn't communicating it's just like a lot of fun like language stuff which I really enjoyed and then especially with email too and like the full conversation is like regurgitated back to you under, you know, in an email chain. She's just like experiencing this way of that, I don't know, language just fails her a lot, but in very funny ways. And yeah, I will say um, it took me probably a good 70 pages to get into this. Like I was before 70 pages in, I like had to force myself to pick it up and I like wasn't really getting the point and didn't, I would say didn't love it at first, but 
it turned into just like one of the funniest books I've read in such a long time. And like Celine's way of viewing the world and just the situation she finds herself in or like the details that she picks up on and chooses to like share when referencing a different situation that like on paper wouldn't be as interesting was just so fun to read. She just had one of the best worldviews I have ever read and she's so awkward and refreshing and endearing and it just really took me back to like this age when you're like new in college and think every idea or every experience you are the first one feeling it and like it's just everything feels so big and yeah that's that's it I loved it a lot I gave it four stars nice yeah um and I didn't know this before I picked it for book club, but there's a sequel coming of Celine's sophomore year at Harvard. Oh Oh my God. That's cool. It's called either or, and it's coming in May of this year. And I cannot wait. And I'm glad that this is going to be kind of fresh when I um, read that. You do your next book club. (laughs) Oh my God. Force everyone to read this. I didn't (laughs) read the series along with you. (laughs) Start over. Um, I need to reread it. Did you, were you laughing? what were you laughing so hard i don't remember oh like i God. read it in I... 2016 and that was when i was reading a lot of chiclet and a lot of like thrillers because it was like when i was not that that those genres mean like l- less intelligent or anything like that it was just when i first got back into reading and i mm. wasn't reading something that it's like heavy easy to consume you know books. yeah like yeah i was reading quick reads and then for some reason i got that i don't know if i liked the cover if i thought i looked like a cool girl reading it or what but like (laughs) yeah it was everywhere yeah and i remember loving it i'm sure it took me a while to get into it and i still don't really dnf that often so it was probably during a time where i like literally refused like i had to finish it yeah but i remember really loving it so if anybody is afraid of the book just know that like if becky can read it i think there's a lot yeah, there's a lot in there for like a lot of different types of readers. It's just like so like there's a scenario where she's in a shoe store and she wears a size 12 shoe and the man only has women's shoes up to size 11. And I feel like I remember that. And then he he's like, well, I have a European 36. And she's like, he and I both knew that that's an American size 11. <laughs> he's trying to jam it on my foot and he's saying it won't fit. It's a, but it's an American size 12, a European 36. And we both know it's not true. And it's just mm-hmm. like, she, you just can picture this like very awkward, like girl trying to buy boots. It's so funny. I, that's not, I didn't do that justice, but there's so many moments I was like, I started writing in the margins, LOL at all the parts that I was laughing at. And there were a lot. I might, um, audio book it as a reread instead of rereading the physical. I bet it'd be a good audiobook. I feel like Especially so. Especially if, if the narrator like captures the like wry kind of tone. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember literally a thing. Like for background, um, Libby was like sending me ideas for the fan club postcard for this. And she was like, I think like something with email. And I think I flat out was like, I don't remember email at all yeah. in that book. Interesting. The internet. I don't remember <laughs> it being referenced. Are you um, sure? Turns out. I need to reread it. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Email is a big part. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. So that was The Idiot by Alif Batuman. And thanks in the future to everyone who comes, came in the past to book club (laughs) that happened. We're time travelers. Yep. (laughs) 
Uh, anyway, Becky, what did you read? It's my turn. I'm excited. I know Kayla's excited about me talking about this well, book. I haven't read it yet, so... Oh, good. So it was on my me. list no, of <laughs> anticipated reads for the year. Um, nice. So for all of you on the edge of your seat, I'm talking about The Tobacco Wives by Adele Myers, and it came out on March 1st of 2022. So go grab it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> content warnings, um, abandonment, death of a parent, cancer. There's some like sad things in this book, but... Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Um, and thank you to the publisher and Kathleen Carter for my copy. So first of all, this is like one of my favorite covers. Like it's so pretty. And when I posted mm. it, I got so many DMs like, oh my God, that cover. It's beautiful. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. It's like a golden vintage lighter. And then there, it's like a really pretty blue background with tobacco leaves and like with the flowers on it. Um, wow. It's so pretty. Minus the whole you know tobacco. addictive substance of tobacco <laughs> sure, <laughs> which is sure. a huge theme in this book but 10 out of 10 cover design kudos to the art team at william morrow um so this is a historical fiction book set in tobacco country of north carolina and it's just near the end of world war ii which this is a new setting for me for like kind of a world war ii book it really has nothing to do with the war with the exception of there's like a subplot about the women that worked in the factory when the men were away and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but like what happens when the women don't want to leave and like mm -hmm. the, the way that the companies like the super corrupt, like tobacco company is dealing with the women not wanting to leave those jobs. Um, anyway, let me get into it. <laughs> Our main character is Maddie and she, she's just about 14 at the beginning of the book. And she lives in a small town in North Carolina with her mother her father volunteered himself for the war and he died serving in the war. And this has caused a lot of issues between Maddie and her mother. Her mother was upset that her father even like went to war. He wasn't drafted. He volunteered. Um, and she kind of just like blames him for a lot of things. Her mom has a lot of kind of, I don't know how to say this eloquently, but like she's dealing with a lot. She's having a lot of issues. It's like a reminder that parents are human and they don't always do what's best because they're just people like trying to exist. And that's Maddie's mom in this book. Um, she's very eager to just like move on. And it seems like she deals with things by being like, okay, I'm shutting that chapter. It's done. Like not really grieving, just being like, okay, time to find a new husband. Cause I have no one to provide for me basically. Oh, damn. So she's trying to find a husband and she's like, Maddie, you're getting in my way more or less. It's kind of rude. And she's 14. Yeah, she's like 14. Oh, so it's girl. I know. Well, it gets worse. So she, oh, great. in summertime, she just got she's out of school and Maddie's excited about like doing kid stuff, like running around with her friend and like Maddie's an aspiring seamstress. So she's made all these like cute summer dresses she's excited to wear uh, with her friends and like practice her stitching because every year Maddie goes back to her, well, not back. She goes to her aunt's house in bright leaf north carolina and her aunt is a really well-known seamstress in that town and so she makes all the dresses for like the wives of the tobacco moguls and they all wear her gowns to various things and in advertising national advertising campaigns for the tobacco so Wait, maddie's this is her aunt yeah her aunt oh, okay. so maddie's excited because every year she goes back to her aunt's house and helps her with some dresses, but it's like not a busy time of year. She's just learning. So she's excited to be like, I learned how to do like 
pleating and you know like i don't remember the specifics but learned how to sew Mm -hmm. specific things she's like excited to practice before she goes but in the middle of the night maddie's mom wakes her up and is like hurry up get in the car like grab some stuff and maddie like falls asleep in the car she wakes up hours later and she recognizes that she's heading to her aunt's house um because she recognizes like the path and like various places that they usually stop maddie immediately knows like something's off because she knows that this is her aunt's busiest time of year like this is when she has all her appointments for like fittings and making the dresses for like the gala at the end of the summer so she's like something's not right here and then they get to this like specific gas station that is usually where her parents go and drop her off to her aunt like they like meet there but her aunt's not there is and she she's abandoned like, basically her mom drives her to her aunt's house it's clear when they arrive her aunt had no idea they were showing up and her mom just drops her off and is like i'll be back at some point and so maddie has no idea when her mom's coming back and her aunt's like well you got to help me out with all of these dresses you have to help me with this stuff because Otherwise, you're you are going to be in my way. Mm -hmm. So she's whisked right into like the hustle and bustle of the busiest time of dressmaking season. And she accompanies her aunts on fittings and consultations. She's obviously really excited about this because she wants to be a seamstress. But she's like, my mom just dropped me off. I have no idea if I'm ever going to see her again. She's like starving because like she was whisked away in the middle of the night and she's like now having to go to these fittings like first thing oh this part feels spoilery and i know it feels like i said a lot but like this is not even really the book but maddie's aunt like suddenly falls ill in the middle of a fitting and i'm not going to say like what exactly she has but basically maddie has to take over the business for her aunt in the busiest time of the dressmaking season she has to like go to all these fittings and be like this is the dress that like we're going to make for you. And you know, she has to go make them. And she's also quickly like into the inner circles of these tobacco wives. And she's like living for the time of making the dresses with, with like the CEO of the big tobacco company in town. The wife was like, Oh, you have to stay with us. And is like learning all of these deep, dark secrets that she's like hearing. And basically we get into Maddie maybe knowing something about the health effects of cigarettes. Wow. Oh, shit. Wait, what year is this? 1946. Okay. So everyone was still smoking. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, like, they had doctors prescribing pregnant women these specific Crazy. cigarettes called, like, mom mints. <laughs> and this is the summer where, like, they're about to kick off this big ad campaign for mom mints for like cigarettes for women. And they're like trying to say like, and the women were in the factory making them. So it's like buy women for women and wow. pushing this like crazy. And Maddie learns something that she's not supposed to know. And she has to deal with what she's going to do with that information. It, it becomes wow. very like mad men in a way, because I kept thinking I about like, the advertising campaigns in Mad Men for cigarettes and how mm-hmm. like they were fully aware that this was bad, but they had mm-hmm. to push it as doctor approved. That's like the whole first season, the lucky strike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, if you liked Mad Men, you'd probably be into this. Has to be a weird experience reading it. Obviously in 2022, we know 
yeah what cigarettes really are but what was interesting was looking at like we know that like big corporations especially corporations that have to do with like cigarettes and like pharma like we know they're corrupt we know they're hiding things but in this book it was interesting to like see how it all played out and see how 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 somebody might react if they're like just a kid just like already stressed as Mm -hmm. heck what are they going to do with information that they're not supposed to know so that was really interesting. And I mentioned the subplot about the women's rights. So that that's something that happens in the book as well. There's a lot of talk and like scenes around the women in the factory and how they were treated. Um, so I think, like I said, if you like Mad Men, you like this. If you are into like the glitz and glamour of like the rich people in like towns like this in the 40s and 50s and then the corruption element, like you're probably going to enjoy this. Mm. The only critique I had about this book is it's an adult book even though the main character is 14. Is she 14 throughout? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, this poor girl. She sometimes could read very babyish. And I think part mm. of it was like the Southern aspect of like, mm. like, oh, when's mama coming back? Like it was sometimes hard for me to be like, okay, this, you know, she's 14, yeah. but like she seemed maybe younger than that at times, just by the way she was written in her like kind of dialogue and internal monologue. And yet, like, other characters were like, wow, she's so, you're so mature. You're, like, taking over this business. But it was easy for me to get over it. It's just, like, something to keep in mind. Like, the book is still really impactful. Um, I still really enjoyed it. But it was, like, a little bit, like, oh. But, yeah, it's a lot. It's It's got some really sad things, but it's really interesting. I love the way they ended it. But, yeah, there's, like, corporate <laughs> to big tobacco, like, drama. I might bring it on vacation with me. Yeah, I feel like mm. it would be a good one to read in yeah. the South, too. Yeah. Yeah. With, I'll be staying with my family who smokes cigarettes. So uh, You'll just be get the whole like, vibe. Like, here you go. Just read sit this. there around all the smoke and really just read about the harmful effects of it. Uh, yeah. Well, I make them, they go somewhere else. They don't smoke around me, but. That's good. Yeah. But oh, yeah, so how many interesting. stars? So that's. How many stars? Oh, 3.75. Oh, my God. Story graph. <laughs> It would be a four star read, but I'm trying not to give everything a four star read. And I will like I will say <laughs> that that one critique did kind of take it away a little bit. So right. something like that kind of pulls you out of it a bit. Yeah. But again, like I wouldn't be talking about it if I didn't recommend it. Right. It's a good yeah. book. I'm so glad I read it. And I did have the experience where like, like, for example, I just started a book recently and I'm not that into it yet. So like sometimes I just choose to listen to music on the train instead of reading it. But this book every chance I got mm. I was like mm. I want to pick it up it wasn't a five-star read feeling where I was like Obsessed. thinking about it all day like I can't wait to get back to like my couch to read it it was just like not even a question I'm gonna pick this up instead of watching tv or you know yeah. listening mm-hmm. to music so 3.75 <laughs> love it so yeah um and that was the tobacco wives by Adele Myers and it just came out so go grab it Emily I think it's your turn. What did you read? I'm going to talk about Permanent Record by Mary H.K. Choi. Oh, yeah. This is my second Mary H.K. Choi. Also my second audiobook by her. And you know what? I really love it. I might even buy these physical books because the covers are really, really pretty. And yeah, that's basically the start of what I wanted to say. It's set in New York City at the cusp of Valentine's Day, which is when I was listening to it. And do you ever feel like 
extra special when the timeline in the book is the timeline (laughs) in real life and also the setting is real life like i felt like i could turn a corner and see the even if it's like historical fiction it'd be like february whatever today is 1940 i'm like oh that's today yeah (laughs) that's what was this is what was happening 80 years ago yeah so that was while i was listening to this and i was like woo pablo's hanging around so this book is a ya from pablo's perspective and i realized i never really read ya romance like from a boy's perspective and it was narrated by a man and i was Was it written by a man no mary Mary is a woman okay sorry Um, you never read john green no Mm. no i have not but um yeah anyways just a little little fact about that um okay (laughs) so (laughs) pablo neruda that is his full first name yeah like the poet um (laughs) rind is a 19 year old new york city native he knows the city like the back of his hand knows its history knows its people as for his name he understands that it's a unique name actually many people make the wrong assumption about his ethnicity because of it so his mom is a korean immigrant and his father is pakistani but they named him after a chilean poet um and he makes a joke about this early on because his little brother has a tougher name um and he goes by rain so he's like i know i know we have funny names um but uh we eventually find out that Pablo had recently been enrolled in the NYU Gallatin School of Individualized Study, but he dropped out um, and is working at a health food store, Reed Fancy Bodega. <laughs> so there's like a joke about the level of bodeganess of this place he's working at. It seems a little high end. Unfortunately, that experience has left him feeling a little directionless and even more unfortunately strapped with a ton of student loan debt. Wait, do you know why he dropped out or are we just meeting him like in the aftermath? He goes into it later. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so to pass time at the overnight shift, uh, Pablo likes to make um, interesting snack combinations and uploads them to an Instagram page uh, featuring like snacks and sneakers. Uh, Pablo has 19k followers so good for him Um, and obviously he likes to watch the regulars come in and like judges their snack choices for those who are not based in New York City the bodega is a very specific experience it's like a convenience store but not quite they sell tons of things a lot of times you go to the same place over and over again and buy like the same for me I go to my local bodega I get ice cream (laughs) always Ben and Jerry's and then you like kind of get to know the people that work there and it's like a whole New York City experience a lot of times there are cats a lot of times it's like it smells weird or I don't know it's like um like your local convenience store so and these places are usually open like 24 hours um so one day a girl walks in at 5 a.m. and looks like she's just got back from a fashion show and he's kind of admiring her selection because she goes for this nice brand of ice cream that he has personally um you know ask the store to stock um and some salty snacks to complement the sweet and she's about to add some sour gummies when he's like whoa 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 let me snack doctor you and instead recommends like a slightly different flavor so obviously they start cute bantering about food which is my favorite kind of banter um <laughs> and when she goes to put down her card he realizes it's an elite black amex 
And then he realizes, oh shit, I know this girl. Um, her name's Lyanna Smart from Disney Channel. Picture like oh. Zendaya or like Olivia oh. Rodrigo. So like she started in the kids scene, but she's like breaking big, making music and like is becoming a big celebrity. Oh, um, fun. So he recognized- Wait, actually from Disney Channel in the book or like- I think so, yeah. That's funny. Um, so he's trying to like play it cool because obviously the girl is a celeb. And when she, but then she recognizes him from a <gasps> video that went viral of him prom posing to his girlfriend <laughs> in high school, oh. but he got rejected. <laughs> oh. And the camera like deep cuts on his face and oh. he's like, like a sad face so he trends online as this meme called sad boy and she goes oh you're sad boy and he was like oh fuck <laughs> um so anyways things kind of like spark on this one night and um you know they kind of drift apart obviously as you do when you're like speaking to strangers um and it all kind of starts to feel like a fever dream to pablo when he's stalking her Instagram page and realizes she's kind of subtweeting their inside joke through hashtags on her, oh my God. on her, on her pictures, Stop. on her like recent promotional tour. And he realizes, oh, she's back in New York City and she's subtweeting through a hashtag. Maybe they want to reconnect and IDK, maybe they do. She wants him to know. Maybe you have to read the book to figure out what happens next. So <laughs> in terms of plot, I'll just like leave it there. So the first thing I loved about this book, it is so New York City. Like it was clearly written by someone who grew up here and it's just like a different flavor of person. Like I don't uh, I don't know how to describe it, but the way that Pablo interacts with like the people of the city, the people he notices was really reminiscent of a lot of the people that I know grew up in the boroughs. And especially because I go to a CUNY school, we get a lot of like commuters from all different boroughs in the neighborhood and he was very much like of those types of families. They're like mixed families. They're like really culturally competent. He has like sophisticated opinions about like British snacks versus Jamaican food. He's like, you go to this spot for this thing. And it's just very like New York. And I think she really nailed that. Um, the other, oh, the only thing that I was gonna say is they make an inside dig at the CUNY system in this book and I didn't appreciate that. Uh, oh, damn. Right? Public Gallatin. schools change lives. Um, <laughs> the other thing is Pablo is such a relatable person for me. So I have a younger brother who's never gonna listen to this so I can talk about him. Um, <laughs> and he's kind of going through this similar crisis of identity to Pablo as like, you know, it was always like the way that we were raised, you you go to school, you go to college, and then you get a good job kind of thing. I feel like the younger, the slightly younger generation from us, they're not always set on that trajectory, especially I find like the young men in my life, like a lot of young men are like directionless. They're not sure if they want to get the advanced degree. It sounds like Pablo had an idea of what he wanted to do, but school just like wasn't for him. And I thought it was kind of interesting to to read about that type of experience especially given the debt crisis and how much of that affects his plot line like his struggle with paying off his debt really informs what he is able to do and the jobs he's able to get um yeah so i just felt like i almost even 
told Robbie to read this. I don't know oh. that he will, but I was like, you're not alone. I think a lot of times parents are very like judgy of the, and he s- experiences something similar with his parents about the, the expectations versus the reality of getting education these days. Um, also, the Lyanna Smart plotline was really fun. I just love reading about celebrities, especially when it feels like a peek behind the curtain at like kind of the cost of that fame. As someone who is like co-host of this podcast, I'm obviously really familiar with the crushing pleasure <laughs> of celebrity well, fame. It's cool to recognize like, on the he's street. Internet famous. And yeah. she's like famous, famous. Yeah, she's yeah. like regular famous. And there were like really cool conversations about her as a person like you're a company like your face your, your body everything about you is a product and like Ooh. how she experienced that versus what she felt she was in control of so i thought that was interesting um and yeah we really got some insight into her autonomy and how that wraps into her identity as a whole and uh i just find that mary hk Choi is very good at writing modern life in a non like weird way sometimes texting or modern life is rendered really strange on the page but like the instagram page or like the debt or the way they talk to each other is Mm. the brands of like sneakers that he thought were Mm. hot like i don't know all of that just very seamlessly wove into the story i didn't feel like it had no purpose or was trying to come across as modern that's hard to do she's like one of the only authors i felt like really honestly captures how we interact with the internet and how the internet informs our speech patterns like the slang that you use with your friends or like Mm -hmm. just shit you talk about like sharing memes but not in a weird way like it just came up really naturally in the writing um and i also had heard about this um challenge that's being led by read with Nella I think that's like Helen backwards on Instagram called Monse March so I don't I don't want to keep talking about Asian authors without mentioning the fact that there's been a huge increase in anti-Asian hate crimes in New York City in the past like year and um that this uh, account is running a challenge in March I guess the time this episode is coming out is like March 14th um, but she's Korean American and so is the author and she's like encouraging people to celebrate Korean American culture and I think that's really cool if you want to check out her page and the the hashtag uh, that she's leading there. And then the other thing about this is it's more romance than like steam. It's more about their relationship than like explicit <laughs> sex scenes. Um, so I think that's interesting too. Like you're not going to get hot hot steamy uh stuff but if you like the romance this is a good book for you it was very much like a younger version of the idea of you which is a book i Mm. talked about on season one so if you read that um i think you'd like this too nice and i gave it uh four stars i think nice nice that sounds sounds so cute i want to read both of those books you've talked about by her yeah so that's called permanent record Mary H.K. Choi. I want to read that. Kayla, bring us home. Okay, <laughs> this is going to be so freaking hard to talk about, but I am talking about Notes on an Execution by Danya Kukafa. Um, Thank you to William Morrow for sending this to me. This is probably going to be the most vague I've ever been covering a book because 
it's just like I feel like anything I say is going to be giving some things away but I'm gonna like try my best so when I was like looking up this year I was like I want to finally like look at books that are coming out before they come out because I never do that and I read the description for this one I was like oh that sounds interesting it was like a guy on a man on death row is like reflecting or whatever and you learn about how he lands on death row but I was like not sure I'd be super into it but one of my favorite bookstagram accounts Gare, G-A-R-E, Indeed Reads, posted about it. He's the one I post sometimes in my stories. He does like, he'll cast thrillers with like celebrities. Oh, fun. And I think it's really fun. So he said that he was obsessed with this book and I usually align with him. So I was like, okay, let me pick it up because William R. had sent it to me. The first thing I need to say is that this book is not for everybody. Like Becky specifically, I don't think he would <laughs> like this. I feel like I can handle anything like nothing is like too dark or disturbing for me but this book like haunted me and like like I had such like an emotional reaction to it and like it is really dark but it's just like it just like makes you like really like feel things and I think that's like a testament to the quality of the writing but just something to keep in mind like if you think like you're really sensitive to dark topics like I wouldn't pick this one up but basically this book tells a story of this man named Ansel Packer and he is currently on death row and you meet him like the day before he's set to be executed and he's gonna die and when you're in his perspective he is like like he's one of those criminal masterminds I guess who like he thinks he's like a million steps ahead of everyone and he's like he has this whole plan about how he's been playing one of the guards and he's going to escape and he's not going to be sent to die. And he has like this, it's, it's a manifesto, but he calls it something else that it's like this whole thing he's been writing like forever. And he's, I got like Ted Bundy vibes from him. If you watch the Ted Bundy tapes, but um, like, he's just like unhinged clearly. And then if you're also in the perspectives from the women who have impacted his life and who he has impacted as well so when like you meet his mother before he's born and then when he's a baby and like obviously like traumatic things happen there that makes you realize like oh this is you kind of like see how like it's it brings to question that thing of like are you born a killer or do things happen that like bring you to that point and this this book did a really good job of like these are the life circumstances from the very beginning some wild shit was happening to this kid and like is that what led him down this path or was it something that was like always in him and you also have the perspective of his sister-in-law from when it, he was just her sister's boyfriend through then obviously when like they had gotten married and then a childhood acquaintance who ends up being the detective on his case which that's like a slight spoiler but it's on the back of the book so basically when you're in the perspective of all the women you see his life unfold so like the mom it's obviously the beginning of the life the childhood person it's like their childhood and then the sister-in-law it's like college and then a bit after college and then from him like the minutes hours literally seconds leading up to him like being executed that's all i'm gonna say for a plot this book is stunning and the plot is so interesting but the way that it's written like i was mesmerized by it it's not lyrical but it kind of flows that way and i like i check the time obsessively like i have ocd that's like one of my things but i like started reading this book and then i looked at my phone and it was like three hours later and i was just like wow so lost in this i couldn't stop reading it like 
it's so riveting and you want to know what happened but it has like the writing is haunting and the story is haunting and it just like stayed in me and it made my heart like hurt and you somehow felt you know that he's a very bad person like that's never in question like did he didn't he it's like this is like an evil man but like I felt bad for him which is like really bizarre to feel when you're reading about these horrible things that he's done and like there's an episode of Grey's Anatomy where like Meredith goes to an execution for a patient and so that's like the only thing I kind of like picture because like that's Mm -hmm. the only thing I've seen about it so you're picturing that but you're like being in his head as he knows he's about to die and it's like he gets his last meal and he's like oh I won't even have time to digest this like (sighs) it is so I can't explain it I had such a like emotional reaction to it I think because I am like terrified of dying and just like imagining what this person is feeling knowing like I am gonna die at this specified time i'm also watching the tutors and i just watched when anvil and got executed and so oh i was like like feeling that a lot too. of people getting executed. um but yeah it just like sucked me in like stuck with me i was like upset after reading it but i loved it it feels weird to say that i loved it but i think there's something to say about a book that like you cannot stop reading the story and it's a story i'm obviously not it's also it's not like I don't think I would say it's a mystery or a thriller it kind of just like is a book about murder and like being on death row but I feel like I'll be thinking about this one forever and yesterday it came out that it's being adapted into a show and I'm really really curious how it's going to be done because the like the writing and the descriptions of everything is really what made me have like such an emotional reaction to it so I'm curious to see how Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously on it, like with music and like they can make it like super tense like that. Right. But I'm really interested to see how they handle that. And I wasn't going to talk about this, but then I think a lot of people were on the fence about it. And I was getting messages and comments being like, I can't wait to see what you think to kind of like see if people would want to read it. So that's why I was like, do you know what? Maybe this is one that I talk about. I gave it five stars. I'll be thinking about it literally forever just like I would pick this book up when you yourself are in a good space and a good headspace like if you're like having like a bad week like don't pick this up it'll just ruin it for you or make it worse but this might be a spoiler but who can you say like the other women besides his mom who you hear from or that his sister-in-law and oh you said yeah sorry wait do you also know why he's in jail or not like why he is on death row for murder oh oh sorry he's like a serial murderer he murdered one person murder is all Ah, i'll say okay so you know he's on death row for murder Mm. in the beginning but then you're reading at the same time as you're reading him like in the transport going to the other facility like Mm. he says goodbye to his cell and like the cracks on like all this it's so it's it's like so crazy and then you're getting the story told from the beginning and also like these the women's reaction to his execution and like Mm -hmm. finding things out about him and it's like really really hard to talk about that spoiling but Mm -hmm. yeah it was just like I've never read anything like this I feel like I'm sure maybe I will one day but like I can't like I have nothing to compare this to like 
just so well written and I'm pretty sure this is her debut and like I will read everything else she writes like it was wow I don't re- I feel like I don't really comment on like great writing that much because it's I read a book for the story but like the writing was just so beautiful so mm-hmm. yeah five stars that was notes on an execution by Danya Kakafa. I think she did write another book oh called the girl in snow based on just what I googled just now oh I have to read that now. you gotta pick it up yeah so what's on your TBR? War of Two Queens by Jennifer L. Armentrout, the next oh. from Blood and Ash book. Armentrout. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Becky? On my TBR is The Beautiful Ones by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. <laughs> oh. Libby, what about you? Well, on my TBR, it, I wrote, whatever, we wrote our, I wrote these notes like during the break, but anyway, on my TBR, but I already read it, is uh, Fiona and Jane by Jean Chen Ho. <laughs> and I liked it. <laughs> but it's on my TBR. Emily, what about you? Uh, I want to read Yoke oh. by Mary H.K. Troy. That's the only book I You're haven't read roll. by her. So That's a good cover too. I will complete the the catalog. Where are you guys on the internet? I'm at the Lazy Library. I'm at Sleep Run Re- as you <laughs> yawn <laughs> sleep run read repeat she was sleeping just now uh, like yeah i'm at becky in the bookshelves i'm at carrot what and you can find all of us at books in the city pod make sure you're following tagging us using our hashtag my books in the city please follow subscribe whatever it is you have to do on whatever podcast platform you're listening on leave us a review if you like what you're hearing if not don't uh, <laughs> <laughs> if not just stop listening and go away yeah um <laughs> And yeah, head to the website booksandcitypod.com for literally everything, merch, book club, fan club, all that fun stuff. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye.